The title of this morning's message is called The American Dream. The American Dream, but in a lot of our lives, we look at these things and we look at these people, such as on the video that we just watched, and we think, this has got to be the American Dream. We titled this series, the series on the family, Why Limith? And Why Limith is not some crazy, weird word, it's just family spelled backwards. We titled this series, Why Limith? Because a lot of us are doing family backwards, and we're wondering why it is not successful. We're wondering why our families are not successful, but when you do something backwards, you're going to get backwards results. I titled this morning's message, The American Dream. I titled it The American Dream because most of our Christian walk is driven by two things. It's driven by consumerism. It's driven by capitalism rather than kingdom living or what I call kingdomism. Amen. And so today we're going to break down some of these myths of what it takes to be a successful family. Some of these myths of what it takes to see God move in your family in a crazy way like we've never seen before. Because truthfully, as Casting Crown said it in one of their songs, it says, The American dream is becoming more and more like a nightmare every passing day. Some of you may have experienced this. Some of you may be experiencing it. And if you haven't, the Bible says that there were two houses that were built. And both houses that were built, the rains fell, the winds came, the flood rose, and they both got beat against. And so if your American dream is great right now, hold on because rains do come, winds do come, floods come, and they beat against that house. But the Bible has a promise. The promise of when your house is built on the rock of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through all these things, it's going to continue to stand. Amen? And so our goal at The Way Bible Church is to have families that are standing strong, powerful, and effective to make a change, and a real change, in a lost and dying that we li- world that we live in. And so we pray that for your family right here today. And so the Bible talks about this morning, when we were talking about the Americans, and most of our Christian walk is driven by two things. It's driven by consumerism. It's driven by capitalism rather than truly understanding and knowing the kingdom of God. If you remember at the beginning of the year, we spent the first eight weeks strictly on one passage of scripture, and that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's talking about what the kingdom of God is really like. And what that really means is what your family, details that your family should entail and be a part of. But many times today, we like to go for consumerism and go for capitalism and incorporate God when it's convenient. But when we only incorporate God when it's convenient, when our life gets inconvenient, then we call on the name of the Lord Jesus and say, oh Lord, save me, amen. And so today I want to challenge you to live from a different perspective. Live from the perspective and live from the lifestyle of, I'm going to start living in this kingdom of God and having a kingdom mindset rather than worrying so much about consumerism and capitalism and becoming comparable to the richest person on your block. Can I get an amen? Because a lot of times in life, everything that we do is to make more money, to build a bigger house, to have bigger problems, to buy a newer car, and our families are lost and dying and going to hell. And we wonder where we've messed up. Because consumerism and capitalism go very much against kingdomism. But when kingdom is in place, blessings And financial blessings can flow into your household. Amen? And so God is not against you having things and having stuff and having nice houses. He's against things, stuff, and nice houses having you. And so many of us have let things, stuff, and nice houses have us rather than us having them. And we'll go through that and there will be a test at the end of this. So everybody say amen. 
There will be a test at the end of this to see if you are led by consumerism and capitalism or your life is built on the kingdom or kingdomism in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The American dream for many of us is driven by simply, we talked about different spirits last week, get the CD or, load it, or download it on iTunes, listen to it on the web if you missed it, it's a powerful message. It's driven by a spirit of coveting and a spirit of fear or insecurity and not by a spirit of God. Many of our dreams and desires are led there by a spirit of coveting, by a spirit of fear or insecurity, because our things define us. So it's led by coveting and fear rather than being led by the spirit of God in our life. And so as things begin to change for you this morning, I'm praying before you leave here and purchase your lunch, wherever you're purchasing your lunch at, you let the kingdom of God tell you what to do, where to go, and how to even eat. Because when you're faithful over the little, God says, I have no problem giving you much. The problem is you had not been faithful over the little, so God says, I am withholding and I can't give you anything until you get this first part right. And so this morning, I want to challenge you as we begin today. The Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 17, it says, you shall not covet. Yes, this is the Ten Commandments. They still are in effect in the kingdom of God. When Jesus said he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, it means you need to start living by faith in the word of God again, not making the word of God rules and regulations. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet his car, his house, his cell phone. You shall not covet how nice his yard looks. You shall not covet what he has in his backyard. Men, how big his barbecue grill is or how big his fishing boat may be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Ladies, do not covet your neighbor's husband because you think he's better than your husband. The grass has to be mowed at his house too. If you could just be like so-and-so down the street. Really? You don't know what happens at so-and-so's house behind the, street, behind the doors down the street. And so in this, we are led in the American culture by coveting and envy and fear. Here's what it is. You have a spirit of coveting. If this is part of your life, you always have to have the latest and the greatest. iPhone 25 comes out, and you've got to have it when you just got iPhone 24 yesterday. They're coming out that quick, by the way. I'm just saying. If you've got to have the latest and the greatest, oh, honey, this new set of golf clubs just came out. But, honey, you hadn't used your last ones in a year. I know because I need this new set. We, we understand this. Or... Hey, babe, you know, you know, honey, the World Cup is about to come on, and I would love a new television to watch the World Cup. Okay, we'll go for, a re for something that y'all can relate to. Honey, you know the Super Bowl's right around the corner. And what I need for my man cave, we don't have no man cave. I know, see, you're getting the vision. <laughs> you're catching on. Or, honey, I think we need to redo the kitchen. Why, the sink still works. <laughs> That's a man, that is a man answer, I'm telling you. This thing still works. <laughs> Honey, I would like some new carpet. Why? The kids are just going to stain it up too. <laughs> Amen. So yes, and then she says, yes, I know, that's why we're going hardwood floors. <laughs> See, you're catching her vision now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we're led by consumerism and capitalism. And it's got, I got to have the latest and I got to have the greatest. 
Because little do you know that you are being led by, number one, a spirit of coveting, number two, by a spirit of fear and insecurity because you think a new boat, a new golf club, or a new floor or the nicer house, is the, you, you think that is going to make you look better and be better rather than you, in doing that you are placing your security in it and you are letting the things you have define you rather than letting you define what you have. The Bible talks about it is better to be in a shack than to be in a house that is filled with great stuff and be fighting and quarreling all the time. We must begin to understand that God wants us to be blessed. He didn't tell the Israelites, I'm bringing you into a junkie land, a land where you have nothing and you'll never have anything. He said, no, I'm bringing you to a good land, a land with vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, with honey, a land where there's rocks and the, uh, uh, iron in the hills and you can dig, dig iron or copper out of the hills. A land that is a good land flowing with milk and honey. And he goes on to say, but when I do, don't forget me. See, a lot of people, you can tell when things have you because things get good and you get out of church. Things get bad, you come back to church. Things get good, you get out of church. Things get bad, you come back to church. And God is nothing more than your life raft. But kingdom living means you are planted in the house of the Lord so you'll flourish in the courts of your God. And so this morning, if you always got to have the latest and the greatest, you're led by a spirit of coveting. Or you drive down the road and it's just like, I sure wish I had one of those. Honey, so-and-so always gets a new car every six months. They always get a new car every six months. So? So? Who cares? Who cares how somebody else gets a bigger debt payment every six months? Who cares? I'm not in competition with somebody with a nicer vehicle. I got a four-year-old and a three-year-old. I need a junker vehicle because they're going to tear it up anyway. And everybody said amen. Thank you, Jesus. I mean... When things like this occur, I'm praying that there will become checks in your spirit. A red flag will rise up on the inside of you say, why do I always want what somebody else has? Now, there is nothing wrong with having a desire of your heart that is truly from you, given by God. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong for desiring greater things. But when you start comparing yourself to everybody else by what they have by versus what you have, you got a problem that you need to let God fix in your life. I always want one of those. Or this one, honey, so-and-so just got this. I think we could use one of those. We don't have a yard that needs a zero-turning radius mower. That was my wife's answer to me. (laughs) But I could get it done quicker. (laughs) No, you couldn't. That thing couldn't even fit on half of our yard. Yeah, I know, just one swipe that way, one swipe this way, I'm done. That's amazing. Honey, so-and-so just got one of these. I think we need one. Or so-and-so just got a swimming pool and it's summertime. I think we need one. Or so-and-so got this or so-and-so got that. It used to be, honey, you know who else just got a motorcycle? I think I need one. <laughs> she's like, no, you'll kill yourself. <laughs> and she's probably right. So I, had to, I, I settled for a Jeep, okay? It's great. <laughs> honey, so-and-so just got this. You, you're, you're led by a spirit of coveting, not by the spirit of God. And here is the final one. Anything you can do, I can do better. 
Anything you can do, I can do better. This great commercial a few years back by Michael Jordan. Anything you can do, I can do better. And they would be doing all these different things, him and Mia Hamm would. And, and they would go over and over on anything that that person could do, I could do better. And the culture of American society has become that. We got billionaires buying houses sight unseen. Everybody say foolishness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and if you want to watch the rest of that, I mean, there's tons of stuff. Me and Derek watched just laughed. I mean, people are buying jumbo jets just to say they got a jet because a Gulfstream jet is not good enough for them. <laughs> and Bill Gates bought a $50 million house and then bought the 11 houses around him because he did not want neighbors. Go watch the video. It's crazy. People have yacht competitions. Who can build the biggest yacht? <laughs> I mean, some of these are 500 feet long. They're bigger than houses. I mean, floating on the water. Anything you can do, I can do bigger, better. And you know, the biggest issue I have with this is not how millionaires or billionaires, forgive me, millionaires and billionaires, want to spend their money. It's how we've let that same spirit of consumerism and capitalism infiltrate the church. Of any church building you can build, I can do it bigger and better. People have asked me for four years now, why aren't you building a bigger building? Because we're paying off this building first. We will be responsible. I'm not in competition with any other church in this region. I'm not. I'm here to do the calling of God on my life and lead this church and the calling of God on this church. And so what we're doing is following the calling of God. And if other churches want to build big buildings, good. God may be leading them to. But we are not in competition with anything this church can do. I can do it better. We, are, we got a specific call on our life here at the Way Bible Church. And that is to be the lampstand of God, to usher in the spirit of God for this northeast Texas region. And that is not defined with buildings. It's defined with people in the building going out and being the movement of God. And so don't be bought into this consumerism trap. The first thing you have to ask yourself, the first test question is this. Am I building God's kingdom or am I asking God to build my kingdom? Am I building God's kingdom or am I asking God to build my kingdom? We pray the Lord's prayer, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But really what you're praying is, God, my kingdom come, my will be done on this earth as you sit up there and bless me from heaven. That's many times what we're inferring when we pray. Because truly for God to say, or Jesus Christ to say, let my kingdom come on this earth and my will be done. I know this says in heaven, Jesus praying the will of God, saying, God, let your kingdom manifest here in this place. It means a lot of times we're not so worried about building big piles of wealth here. We're concerned about how much wealth we can give away to change the region that we live in. And as we begin to give and give in abundance, the kingdom begins to grow and expand. But so many times when we pray, we pray these prayers in our houses and say, oh God, I want to build your kingdom, but God build my house. Here's the problem. If we'll completely turn our focus on God's kingdom... He'll completely turn his focus on taking care of every need that we have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But many times when we pray, we're so busy praying for the American dream when God's not even American. 
Half the people got mad when I said that. Half the people laughed. And half the people were like, oh, Lord Jesus, I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> He's not. Jesus is an American. Some of y'all are going to be shocked when you see Jesus face to face. He's going to have olive-colored skin. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is so much bigger than America. But we are more American than we are kingdom. Now, I'm not bashing America. I love the land that we live in. But I am hurt in my own personal life when I realize how much I have let consumerism and capitalism dictate kingdomism. When it should be letting kingdomism dictate consumerism and capitalism. And I know this isn't a popular message in America. And it's not. But I'm not out to win popularity contests either. (laughs) Because here's the thing. When the kingdom of God starts being established, everyone gets blessed. And I'm ready to see the blessing of God not just on our church and in our church, but on this region and in this region. I'm ready to see the blessing of God not come to this church, but I say, God, we got doors wide open so the blessing of God can come in and flow right on out. And we can be a conduit for the kingdom of God and see great and mighty things happen. And if we're, are we constantly praying for our needs to be met, and for our will to be accomplished. Many people are enslaved to the American dream because this verse sums up your life. Haggai 1, verses 2 through 7, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And a lot of people in America strongly resemble that verse. God's saying, and these people say, The time has not yet come for us to go to church and do all these things. we got other stuff going on, God. And the people go on to say, Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai and says, Is it time for you yourselves to be living in, in your paneled houses while the house of the Lord remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Now close your eyes and put this into modern American terms. Give careful thought to your ways. So everybody close your eyes just for a minute. Give careful thought to your ways. Think just for a second. You have planted much but you have harvested very little. You eat, but you never have enough and are never satisfied. You drink, but you are never filled and always thirsty. You put on clothes, but you still aren't warm and it's not good enough. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Many of you work, keep your eyes closed, over 40 hours a week. And many of you, you have double households working, so you got husbands and wives working over 80 hours a week. To look around and say at the end of the week, we got more week than we have money. And say, where does all our money go? This is what God just said about it. You earn wages only to put them in a purse or in pockets that have holes in them. And there's never enough. If you would open your eyes and look up at me just for a moment. If that's you, maybe you are enslaved to the American dream. You're enslaved to the American dream if you find yourself saying this. I can never seem to get ahead. I call it the poor me statement. I can never seem to get ahead. It doesn't matter how much I work. It doesn't matter what I do. I just can't seem to get ahead. It's not about you getting ahead. It's about letting Christ be the head. And when Christ becomes the head, you don't have to worry about getting ahead. Because if you're, by your very words, you're saying, I can't seem to get ahead. You're already comparing yourself to someone or something else. Because you're trying to get ahead of somebody else. You're trying to become better or bigger or build the bigger house or buy the bigger car. What are you trying to get ahead of? Listen, in 10 years... If we're still here and your electric's still on, guess what? You're still going to have an electric bill. And the price of electricity will be 
higher than it is today. So if you are racing against anything or anyone and you're trying to get ahead, stop. Repent. Ooh, that's a heavy word in church these days. We don't like hearing it. Repent and say, God, I've been doing this in my own strength and I can't seem to get ahead. And show me your ways, oh God, so it's not poor me any longer. You ever had this in a conversation with your spouse? Where does all our money go? Nobody's ever asked their spouse that question. Nobody has ever done that. Where does all our money go? Now you're beginning to question yourself because you realize somehow there's holes in your pocket and your money's falling out. And you're asking, where does all our money go? And then you look at the grocery list and you say, there it is, Walmart's got it. <laughs> and everybody said, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord, we get, Walmart's got it. So you begin to question yourself. And now you're not only trying to get ahead of something that you're not going to get ahead of, now you're questioning your ability to even do things as a person. And you see what the devil's doing? He's just wearing you down. He is beating you up. Now that you've got a, a, a spirit of coveting because you're behind and you're trying to do bigger and better and a spirit of fear that your things define you and you're building insecurity, you're now developing a spirit of stupor and a spirit of slumber which leads to depression because I guess we're just always going to be broke. I guess we'll never get ahead. I don't understand. I, I, work, I work 80 hours a week, and we're always behind. And now depression sets in. And now you don't just have jealousy and envy running rampant in your house because you've taught your kids to want what other kids got. you got fear running rampant in your house. And now you got it compounded by depression in your house. And we wonder why the family's backwards and turned around. Let's go on to the next one. I can stay here all day. The blame game. You spent what? You ever heard that one? Oh, honey, I bought this. It's a great deal. You spent what? Hold on, Jesus. Really? You're splitting your marriage up on you spent what? <laughs> Do we understand the truth in these matters? Now you have the poor pitiful me syndrome going, you're questioning yourself, and now because you're questioning yourself and you're really at a place of insecurity, you gotta place the blame somewhere else. Surely it's not your fault. It's gotta be the other person's fault. So you spent what? I can't believe you'd make a decision like that. We need to talk about these things, <laughs> right? Y'all are either really quiet because it's really hitting home. <laughs> Or you're thinking, this doesn't relate to me at all. And I'm hoping it's the latter, not the former. <laughs> and you start blaming each other. Have you spent what? And we should have talked about this. And the only thing the other person thinks is, is I tried to talk to you. You just won't talk about this stuff. You get mad and walk out the room. Come on now. It's okay. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, help me. Because that's how it goes in households. And people walking out of rooms and you're talking about what you spent what and she tries to tell you and then you walk out. <laughs> or you spent what and he tries to tell you and you walk out. Finally, it's this one. You've developed through all this process a mentality of slave-minded thinking and you are enslaved to the American dream of consumerism and capitalism because when it comes down to the kingdom on Sunday morning, you say this, we can't afford to tithe. Here's your test. If you literally cannot afford to tithe, you are ensnared by the American dream because here's the thing, you can always afford to tithe. The tithe is the first tenth. It's before any bills get paid. It's before anything else gets touched. It's before anything else goes on. And if you can't afford to tithe, your mindset is already automatically backwards because God says you can't afford because it's the first thing you do. It's the first thing that's on your list. I get my paycheck. I write my tithe check. Oh, here's TXU. Then I can pay it. And then I can pay it. See, the thing about the tithe is God says, give me the first tenth so I can bless the rest of the 90. A 90% blessed by God will go a lot farther than 100% with a curse on it. You are enslaved to the American dream and you have become a slave to consumerism and capitalism if you've ever said, I can't afford to tithe. And listen, I'll clarify this once again. You do not give a tithe because the tithe belongs to God. You bring him his tithe. Whenever the Bible talks about tithing, it says you bring God his tithe and you give an offering. It never says it any other way. You bring a tithe and you give an offering. 
And the Bible says that many of you have suffered great loss and a lot of things are going wrong in your life when you read Malachi 3, chapter 10, 11, and, verse 10, 11, and 12, because you've neglected to give God first honor and establishing his kingdom. Because when you don't, you're basically saying, God, I'm not a part of your kingdom. When you do, you say, God, I'm a part of your kingdom, so I'm naturally going to bring to you what is yours, which is the tithe. But God, I'm honored to be in this kingdom, so I'm going to give an offering. And then if you research it farther, you got alms and everything else. And a lot of people are sitting here thinking, well, pastor, I, I give stuff, but uh, tithing is so legalistic. Tithing is all through the New Testament, and you give it as an honor. And in the tithing, if you really want to get legalistic on me, and you go to Old Testament, they gave about 25% as a tithe. Because they gave a first tenth of everything, but then they had the festival requirements, then they had the sacrifice requirements, and then they had some other requirements that they had to do for the feast. And y'all think, oh, we don't have it so bad. You're right. Bless the Lord. And be grateful for what God's done in your life. And so if you've ever said, I can't afford to tithe, you're, you, you found out that this morning you're enslaved. And here's what it culminates in. And we don't even realize it because this part has everything to do with it, but we don't make the connection. When our kids get grown, and they're in their 13s, 14s, 15 years old, like a lot of these young men who are graduating were a couple years ago, and I loved how Damon was able to list what every one of these guys are doing when they get out of high school. I've heard parents say this to their kids before, when they say, Mom, I feel like I'm called, or Dad, I feel like I'm called to go into the ministry. And parents get upset, and they say, you can do a lot more with your life than that. What kingdom are you living in? Because the greatest statement I've ever heard in my life was this. This is before me and Sherry ever even had kids, and this is what she came home and told me one day. She said, you know, here's how we're going to raise our kids, because we were praying and standing. We will raise our kids to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ until God calls them to do something different, not vice versa. We should be raising our kids that their choice in life is you are to minister the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he calls you to do it at the fire department, then praise God, you're going to be preaching at the fire departments. Or if he's called you to be a doctor, your kid will rise up with the mentality that I'm in the kingdom of God, meant to be a minister, I just do it in this hospital. And how many times would a knife not even have to be used because say in the name of Jesus, just rise up and walk. But because we've let kingdomism fall by the side, and consumerism and capitalism begin to rise up like never before. We raise our kids to be everything else, to make a lot of money for the kingdom's sake. When how backwards is that? So this morning, if your life has culminated into that, it's time that we get unenslaved from the American dream. How do you do that? And I'm going to close with this. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What's all these things that he's talking about? Go read the prior three verses, and he'll tell you about it. He said, all the blessings of God will come upon you and overtake you when you seek the kingdom first. So God wants you to walk in his power, his anointing, and his blessing so much so that I'm going to read you this verse out of a different version of the Bible. And this is how it says it. It says, if God gives so much attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he will attend to your needs? God takes great pride in you. He will do what is best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving in your life. People who don't know God in the way he works fuss over all these temporal earthly things. But you know both God and how he works. So therefore steep your life in a God reality, in a God initiative where there's God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give attention, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. 
And don't get worked up about what or what may not happen tomorrow. So this morning's whole message is this. I've said a lot of stuff. I know I've stepped on a lot of toes. I felt spiritually, a lot of y'all go, ugh. Pastor, it started out funny, but in the end, it was kind of hitting home. What I'm trying to do this morning is simply one thing. Get you to relax, because God's got this. Get you to relax, because when you turn your mind and your heart to the kingdom, God will begin to take care of all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to get you to relax. Now, relaxing is not irresponsibility, okay? Pastor said, relax. Don't worry about them bills, baby. God's got this. I didn't say that. (laughs) Never said that. And when TXU calls me because you said that, I'm going to throw you under the bus. Trying to get you to relax, though, in this. And realize this, at the end of that verse, it says, because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And we may not even be here tomorrow. And so all this stuff that we're worried about, all this stuff that we're building, it's for nothing, unless it's kingdom.